I can preach. Yeah. Can you help me out with that? It always changes for some reason. Jesse Johnson is here today. God has done a miracle in his life, provided a new kidney for him, and we're thankful for Brother Jesse. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get some lights up in here so I can see everybody. That's hey, a good group of people. This gets really crowded when we let, let the kids stay. <laughs> I'm glad you're here this morning. Are you glad? Yes. Stephen Fritz, are you here? Come on, get your baptismal certificate. Justin Lee Quisenberry, Eric Talbert, and Michelle Talbert. Y'all come up and get your certificates today. I know that's a long time coming, brother, but we got it. God bless you guys. Y'all got to come again on Sunday? That's awesome, because they, they work, and so it's hard to get them all here together for baptism, and they're back together. So that's, that's incredible. God is so good. He's blessed us. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. I know y'all, you don't come here and, and uh, you, you come here and lose weight when you come to church here, right? <laughs> Prophesied merely it said. Romans 5, 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Can we have that up there? All right. Let's read this like we believe it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to abound in hope this morning? Amen. Let's agree with the word. Amen. You may be seated. That's the last time you, ha you have to stand for a little bit. Okay? And I'm probably not going to go through the whole sermon. I, I just feel like God's already done a work here. So, uh, But I, I really, I, this, this word hope came to me, a living hope. And um, I don't know why I'm holding that. Uh, I'll be clicking that the whole time. How many of you watched any of the uh, convention this week? Anybody? How many of you read the paper? How many of you have uh, watched the news on TV? So, if you know our world, it's, it's strange. We have these conventions, and these guys get up, and they say a lot of really good stuff. They, they say what we want to hear, and the other convention's coming up, and they'll rebut and, and all that, and, and we'll have this swirling thing of, I'm going to bring you hope. I can bring hope and change. Listen, guys, if y'all think if, if, that Mitt Romney or Barack Obama are the ones that are going to lead us into the promised land, I'm going to tell you right now, you're wrong. If you think the political climate of our country is, is going to be made up because the Republicans are running it or the Democrats, then you're going to have real hope. I'm telling you, you're really wrong. Because our only hope, our only hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And when the church, when the church becomes the church that God's called us out to be, then this nation will change. When we come and we repent for being not the church that God called us to be, that, listen, the only time we're going to have change and real change, it's not going to be in the election, in, in, the, in the voting booth. And I'm not against voting. I'm not against going after the right people. Don't get me wrong there. But the only time things are really going to change for the better 
is when Jesus Christ is king of the United States of America. And I hear these speeches, and I'm listening to them, and Clint Eastwood, God bless him, gets up there and mumbles through some stuff, and we're going, oh, yeah, it's Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is not our hope. And what he says is not that important. What is important is where we are placing our hope and trust this morning. I was, God woke me up. Man, God has been waking me up early in the morning, and I argue with him, and he always wins because I can't go back to sleep when I say, God, I really need to sleep. <laughs> Four o'clock, he wakes me up, and, and I try to, you know you, what you try to do? You try to just, God, I know, uh-uh, no, but uh-uh, I want to sleep. I need sleep, God. I go to bed till, okay, I'll get up. And that takes a few minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, and I finally got up, went into my office, and Mary Lou's like at 5 a.m., she's, Honey, what are you doing? I'm back here praying. <laughs> I got a, I've got a chair in my office. A lot of you have been to my house, and I've got a chair. That's where my, my prayer chair. I kneel there. Sometimes I sit there, and I just listen to some praise and worship. And the Lord just began to speak to me about my neighborhood. You know, because I'm hearing hope, hope, hope. We need to change. We need to get this person in. We need... Things will change if we just do the right things as a country. And God just said, I want you to think about your neighborhood, Harold. Next door to you, you have a lady that's been very sick. And she's very alone. And then the door down from her, you have a, a family that from this church that has hope. Because one day, this little boy came to VBS in our backyard and he gave his life to Christ. And then his mother gave her life to Christ and his brother and, his, and just down the list. And they've gone through some difficult times, but God has moved in a powerful way in their life. They have hope, even in the midst of what looks like a bad situation. Then I, the lady, lady next to them is, is a single woman. I see her walking her dog. Don't really know her very well. She doesn't say much. And if you live in our neighborhood and you're quiet, it's hard to, to walk by our house and at least if Mary Lou's in the yard, not, you know, not say much because she'll talk to you. Across the street from her is, is a, a rent house. And in that rent house, we see the evidence of guys that think hope and joy and fulfillment in life is party time. It's because their, their yard is littered with beer cans and beer bottles on a con- constant basis. So their hope is probably not in Jesus so much. Next to them is a lady. She's a single mom. And her son is probably, how old do you think? He's 35, 40? 32? 32. He's autistic. Many times uh, when we first moved in, there would be something going on in the night where one night he, he cut himself, he put his hand through a window, and I got, you know, she called, see, Harold, can you come over? And she lives with uh, this young man, and, and he, he's so innocent and so, so awesome, but yet he is his, his mother. The, as soon as they found out they had an autistic son, the dad left. He just fleed the scene of the accident or whatever you want to call it. He said, I can't deal with that. So she, she, she's over there by herself. Her daughter's moved away and got married, so she has her son with her. And I'm thinking, God, is, does she have hope? And next to her is an elderly lady that has blessed us immensely, immensely. In, in this body, you don't even know how she's blessed us, but she's blessed us. But her whole family is dysfunctional. And she will have us come pray for her. Pray for her family. Pray for her son. Pray for her daughter. And all the time, you know, we, we just see that, that 
The only hope that she has is Jesus, and she knows that. Next to them is another rent house with partiers that they didn't used to, but now they leave beer bottles and beer cans out by my, you know, by my curb. So if you're driving by and you see them, they're not mine. But. <laughs> Across next to them is another neighbor. They're awesome Christians. They go to another church in this city. They are the kind of people that, you know, you go, wow, if we need help, we're going to go see them because they love Jesus. They've adopted this old precious girl from China. And they're our age, and they're, they're, they're raising this child in the ways of the Lord. When our house got wrapped by our youth, <laughs> and they did a spectacular job. After church, when we, I was thinking, boy, I was tired. I'm going to come home to all that mess. And I came home, and they had come over, my Christian friends, and cleaned our yard up. Yeah. So I have a special place in my heart for David and Kim. And across the street from them, our next-door neighbors on this side is a, another family that has a, a child that's challenged, mentally challenged. And the police come to our, their house quite often. I said, God just was showing me all that, David, just to say, really, where's your hope, Harold? Where, where is the hope for your neighborhood? Where is the hope for your neighborhood, church? Are you taking the hope, this living hope we're going to talk about this morning to your friends, to your family, to the people you work with, to your schoolmates? Because listen, they're, they're going to look for it somewhere. They're going to look for it somewhere. Some of you in this room, I know your past, and you looked for it in drugs. You looked for it in alcohol. You looked for it in relationships. You looked for it in a job. You looked for it in that next step up in your job or that raise. You're always, we're looking for something that will give us hope. And we turn on the TV and we go, that ain't going to do it. And we read the newspaper and that ain't going to happen. Our only living hope this morning is Jesus Christ. First, First Peter, that's where I'm going to be looking at this morning. I'm probably going to be skipping ahead. So guys in the back, I'm sorry. but Peter was writing this letter to this church that was scattered. It's mostly Gentiles he's writing to. He calls them these people of the dispersion. Uh, in other words, there were a lot like the Jews in, in later times when they got dispersed everywhere. The Gentiles, you see, they needed this living hope. They, they didn't have this foundation even of God. So they had a little bit further to go than even the Jewish believers because they had no foundation of even Jehovah God. And so there was a lot of things going on. We talked about that last week, how they were trying to put these rules and regulations on the Gentiles even to be circumcised. And now Peter, is, he's, he's writing to the scattered, persecuted Christians. Did you know we have scattered, persecuted Christians in the United States of America? We have them all over the place, and they're trying. They're, they're holding up the banner of love. They're, they're calling out hope, but they're persecuted. And there will be a day coming. It doesn't really matter who gets elected. There's a day coming in this, in this United States of America that they're going to say, what you speak, Harold, is a hate crime. And am I willing to say, no, I'm speaking, the, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the word of God. Are you going to be willing to stand up for what God has put in your heart to say? Or are you going to bow down to what everybody else is saying because you think they're going to give you hope? Because they're not going to give you any hope. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, I want you to say abundant mercy. Woo! Abundant mercy has begotten us again to a what? A living hope. Say living hope. living hope. 
Listen, here's the reason it's a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He died, but God raised him from the dead. That's why we have a living hope, not a dead hope. Listen, to an in, this is so beautiful. I want you to get this this morning because you need to know this is our hope. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Money markets fade away. Stock markets fade away. That raise that you thought was going to cover all your needs, it fades away. All stuff in this world, the material things, fade away. Even the paint on your new car will fade away someday. Right? How many got a faded car? Come on, raise your hand. You got some paint. It's a little bit faded, a little bit rusty. It's a little bit yucky looking. Guess what? When that came off the assembly line, it wasn't like that. It was shiny. Things fade away. And here's the the cool thing, because we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm glad God is the one doing the keeping. I'm glad it's the power of God that's keeping us. And it's not how good we are and how awesome we are or how good everything is around us. It's the power of God that saves us and keeps us. What would be, if you thought of a word that meant the opposite of living hope, what would it be? Dead hope? No hope? Despair. Okay? Without Christ, that's what people have. I'm just saying it. It's just what it is. People that don't have Christ have no hope. It's a dead hope. They're in despair. Should we, as believers, partner with a dead hope or despair? What? Well, I hope by the end of this sermon that I'll never hear that word come out of a a believer's mouth again because I've heard it too many times. I have no hope. I'm just so in despair. I just am hopeless. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you're hopeless. If you don't know Christ, you're in despair. But if you know him, those words should never come out of your mouth. Just purpose in your heart. I don't care how bad the situation gets that I am not going to partner with hopelessness. Would you say that I am not going to partner with hopelessness because I have a living hope? Amen. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Don't you rejoice in your hope? Though now for a little while, if, you need, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Mm, sounds familiar. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, even gold perishes. Though it is tested, our faith is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, God knows your faith level. He's not testing you. So you, so he can figure out how faithful you are. Did you know that? Because he knows everything. Why does he put us, why does he allow us to go through testing? So you will know your, your faith level. So you will know if your faith is genuine. When, when Abraham put Isaac on the altar, it wasn't because God was going, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what Abraham's going to do with Isaac. I wonder if he's really going to go through with it. He already knew what he was going to do. He wanted, he wanted Abraham to know what his faith level was. 
He wanted Abraham to go, okay, God, you said kill him. You said I want to have, I want to have an inheritance of, of children from this, from this young boy. And, but now you're telling me to kill him? I, God, I've got to trust you in this. So he gets the sword and he's ready to go like that. And the angel said, whoop, stop. I think you know, Abraham, what your faith level is. And you read in Hebrews and it says that Abraham, even though he would have slain Isaac, his only son, even though he was about to do that, in, in Hebrews it said he already believed that if he did, God would raise him up from the dead. Do we have that kind of faith? Is, is your faith genuine like that? That when God tells you to do something, you're going to do it, and maybe it doesn't even look good. It doesn't even look like the outcome could be very good, and you'll do it anyway. That's the kind of faith he wants you to recognize this morning, a genuine faith. In the midst of your trials and your tests, if you will trust God and honor and praise Him, He will reveal Himself right in the middle of it all. That's that revelation. He wants you to be, have that revelation this morning. Look at verse 8. Jesus Christ, whom you have not seen, you love. I say, I haven't seen Him, but I love Him. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. He said, look, all these prophets, they've been prophesying it, but they missed it when it happened. But we didn't. We got, we got in on it. Say, hallelujah, I got in on the prophecy. Wow. That's why our joy is inexpressible and full of glory. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. That's about Jesus' resurrection. Those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now look at this. Things which angels desire to look into. Angels. Angels don't know the future. Did you know that? Angels, they would hear the prophecies. They, they even took the word to the, to the people. Many times he would send an angel and they would speak it to them and, and they would get this prophetic word and they would write it down and then others would read it and they go, well, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. We don't know when, but we know he's coming. And the angels were very like, hey, come on, Jesus, let, come on, just give us a little heads up on this. They were looking into it. The very things that have been revealed to you and me. Angels were looking into it. And that's cool, I think. Y'all think that's cool? Yeah. Well, I do. Verse 13. A hope grounded in grace. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that can be... The revelation when you are saved, that can also be the revelation of when he comes back. Amen? He's coming back. And he says you need to rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. The church doesn't like those verses anymore. Those are the pages and a lot of people, let's just, tell you, let's just take that one out. He's asking us to be holy. And so we, we, we equate the word holy as perfect. He's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be set apart. 
He's calling you and me to be set apart from the world. The problem with that is, and the problem with one of the problems in the United States of America is, the church is not separate from the world much anymore. The church looks a lot like the world now. The church likes to conform to the world instead of, the, instead of conforming to the Word of God. And so we have this mingling, this mixture that we learned about Tuesday night in one of these Bible studies we went to of the lukewarm. We're looking lukewarm because we've been taking the hot and the cold and mixing them together. And God says, because you're lukewarm, you make me want to vomit I don't even like the thought of the picture of God vomiting but the thought the thought is we become if we become lukewarm if we're not either hot or cold if we're not doing what God's called us to be if we're not called coming out and being separate if we're not looking like the unblemished the, the church that God's coming for the bride of Christ then the world's having a hard time figuring us out Oh, but Mitt Romney can change all that. No, he can't. He's called us. Look at verse 14 again. Because of this great grace he's given us, he's called us out to be obedient children. I think most parents in here actually know what it means to be obedient. I think most parents in here know, know what it's like for your children to obey you. It's not that complicated, is it, church? God's called us to be obedient. And we go, eh, I've, I've got this grace thing working. I don't have to obey. I've got grace, man. I'm covered with grace. Uh, Forget that obedience stuff. That holiness stuff, oh, that's for those weird people that don't wear makeup. They never cut their hair, and the women always wear dresses. Oh, and they don't wear any earrings or anything like that. I say, God bless makeup. I mean, I thank God for makeup, don't y'all? <laughs> I know y'all needed to laugh, so I threw that in. I think God was serious when he said, I want you to be holy. What do y'all think? Come out, be separate. Here's the deal. Jesus came out and separated himself from heaven. Think about this. He came from heaven to this earth, this fallen earth, to walk this earth, to live on this earth. He came and he separated from his father so he could show us what heaven's like, so he could show us the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I'm willing to come and be separate. I'm willing to even die on a cross for you. Now, that's really separating yourself out. Dying on the cross for us. And he said, hey, that's what I am. You're supposed to be the same thing. You're supposed to come out and be separate. He says not only that but to gird up your loins of your mind. Look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace, the grace of God. It goes a lot along with Romans 12, too. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. You know what it means to gird up your, the loins of your mind? See, some of these kids in here, it's family day, and they don't know what loins are, and they know what girds are. <laughs> So that just went, whoop, I'll just keep coloring. 
Well, back in the day, they, they wore robes. Even the men wore robes. They wore funny clothes, okay? And I started to put one on. I thought, nah, I don't think I want to go there. And they had a belt on. And when they would have to run somewhere, when they had to participate in a sport or whatever it was, you know what they did? They girded up their loins. They would take the, they would take the robe and they would stick it in the belt. They would raise that one. You know why? So they wouldn't trip and fall. That's right, Abigail. If you're running a race and you've got a long dress on, it's not really easy, is it? So they would pull it up and tuck it in. So he said, not only, he said, in the physical, that's, that's great. But he said, in your mind, you need to do that. He said, get rid of the sloppy stuff in your head. Get rid of the, the junk that you're carrying around in your mind. Get, quit participating in the pornography. Quit participating in the, in the, 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 the slang or the, or the, the gossip, the slander. Quit participating with those things. Because those are going to hinder your walk with Christ. He said, gird up your loins of your mind. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When the thoughts come, and they will come, you have to take them under the authority of Christ. Say, no, I am not going to agree with that. I'm not going to partner with that. I'm not going to open my eye gate to that. And you have to submit all that stuff to Jesus. That's girding up the loins of your mind, preparing your mind for battle. He said, don't be conformed to this world. And listen, I'm telling you, we are bombarded by media. We are bombarded by our friends and our peers. We are bombarded with junk, with the lies of the enemy. And God says, quit participating with that. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. Let's just stop right there. You know what we have in, in our society today? We have a lot of Christians that have aimless conduct. Aimless conduct. They, they're here one day and they're there the next. They think this one day and they believe this way the next. I was thinking about this word aimless conduct. And I was thinking, if we are aimless, if we are pointless in our life, and what's the point? Because the word for sin means to what? Miss the mark. So if you're always sinning, then you are aimless. You're missing the mark. You're wandering. You're a drifter in the kingdom of God. And God's called us to focus, keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So if your mind is constantly on other, other things, I, I, was almost, I was almost upset yesterday. And don't throw anything at me, okay, guys? Guys, when college football started, I was almost upset because everything on TV was click, college football, click, college football, click. Co when I was a kid, there were like two games a week. And you enjoyed watching the game and going about your life. Now guys can literally sit in front of the television Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, all day. And then they play them on Sunday night and they have NFL. They have football, 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 all the time football. And they're messing up with my Rangers right now because the Rangers are playing baseball, baseball. <laughs> but guys, and it can be anything. I'm just picking that one out because that's all, you know, it's like, please, come on. There's got to be something on TV to watch besides football. Because the older you get, I think the fact is you, you understand that that's really kind of meaningless. Uh-oh. <laughs> Unless the Longhorns are playing, then it's Okay. You know what I'm trying to say, don't you? We can get so caught up in that stuff. 
that our minds, we have not girded up the loins of our minds and we've conformed to the world. Man, if God didn't have some time in your life, then you're not going to think like Him, you're not going to walk like Him, you're not going to be separate, you're not going to be holy like Him if all that stuff is crowding your mind. He said, man, you're not redeemed. Listen, he said, you're not redeemed with corruptible stuff. You're not redeemed with that. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He paid a high price. And people, people say, well, salvation is free. Listen, it cost Jesus his life. It cost him everything. So it's not, it, what gold and silver, don't have a, they don't mount up to anything compared to the blood of Jesus so remember the next time your mind is going a million different directions, what God said I redeemed you from and for. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, listen, so that your faith and your hope in God. See, faith and hope worked really good together. Faith and hope work. You know what hope is? It's an expectation of good things. But when you when you use the word hope in the in the sense of the word of God, it's it's more than just a hope and expectation of something good. It's a hope and expectation of eternal salvation. That's what he saw. He's talking about when he talks about a living hope. Verse 22, our, our hope is not just based upon faith. It's not just based upon God, on the Word of God. I mean, on the, on the, uh, the hope is not just based upon the, all these other external things that we look around and see in our world. It's based upon the Word of God. Look at verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible. Say incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. How many of you you watched when they released the balloons the other night? Confetti. They said they blew up 100,000 balloons. 100,000 balloons. Guess what happens to those balloons the next day? They pop them. I mean, they have to get rid of them. All the confetti. What do they do with all that confetti that they've been cutting up for years? <laughs> Goes into the trash. Or they recycle it for the next convention. Red, white, and blue works both ways. The speeches, how long do they last? The promises, how long do they last? All that stuff that they say they're going to do, how long does that last? It might last four years. It might last eight years. It might last 20, but it will not last forever. I'm telling you, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the nomination for President of the United States for Jesus Christ today. I'm just wondering how many people would campaign for Jesus today. How many would give up their lives as they know it to go and open a building 
and say, we're going to go out and take the word door to door to Jesus for Jesus because he is king. And we want, you know what? We just need to reelect him in the United States of America. Because a lot of people have said, no, nah, we don't want him anymore. There are other gods that have moved in. I think they said that back in Israel's day. Don't you? Oh, we like that God and that God and that God and that God. And he said, listen, you shall have no other gods before me. He said, I'm the Lord thy God. So we need to start a campaign. Get Jesus back in his rightful place in America. And that will start with individuals saying yes. He's my king. What's that song we used to sing? Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you are my king. See, he wants to be our king. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying don't go and vote. I believe that that's our men. We fought battles and blood has been shed, so we have the right to vote. I believe we should vote the conviction, not of our hearts, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Spirit of God. I know there are some honor, honorable men and women running for office that love Jesus, love the Lord. And we need to pray for our leadership. We need to pray for our president. I'm so tired of people bashing him. I'm just so sick of it. If you would just quit bashing him and start praying for him. I'm serious. I am so serious. Don't send me any more of that junk. If you want to put something on Facebook, put the word of God on Facebook. Don't tell everybody your junk on Facebook. Just start lifting up the name of Jesus. Because he's our only hope. He's our only hope. But the question is, do you believe that he's our only hope? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's the one that can deliver us from evil. Do you believe that? Partner with that. Partner with faith. Partner with the word of God. Partner with the love of God. Because listen, one of these days, I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be here. And if the legacy we leave is not Jesus Christ, then we haven't left anything worth anything. Y'all believe that? People say, well, you can't take it with you. I'm telling you what, well, you can take it with you. If you leave Jesus Christ in the wake of your life, you can take it with you. You can actually send it ahead because you can lead somebody to Christ that might die tomorrow and they're going to heaven because you were faithful. You can send it ahead. There are things that we can do in this natural, in this supernatural life that we live here that affect heaven, that affect this earth. But it's got to be because Jesus is our only hope. And now by these... Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. They all work together. The love is the greatest, but he says it works with faith and it works with hope. I started asking this morning, I asked, and then I'll ask the question, do you, are you hopeless this morning? I will say this, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the only hope for you is him. So when we offer the invitation in a minute, if you don't know Jesus, I invite you to find that hope, that eternal hope. If you're a Christian this morning and you looked around at your circumstances and you said, well, I'm, I'm just in despair and I'm hopeless, I think I would ask you to repent this morning.
I would ask you to say, Lord, forgive me for saying I'm hopeless when the greatest hope is you in me. And you have not left me, you have not forsaken me. Do you all believe that? He never leaves us, he never forsakes us, so we always have hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand? Ministry team, would you come forward? I know a lot of you have already been ministered to this morning. You've already been ministered to. Just stay put. My first plea, the first call is will you, if you have no hope this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, then you would find that today you're going to step into hope, a living hope. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. Y'all bow your heads. Father, if there's one here or a a hundred, doesn't matter how many are here, Father. If there's one here, though, that says, I don't have any hope, I'm hopeless. But today I heard a message. And the Word of God, he said his word won't return to him void. So the hope has gone forward by the Word of God this morning. And it's eternal. It lasts forever. And you would say, I want that hope. I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Step out right where you're at and come forward and let one of these people take you to the prayer room and just walk you through living hope. Jesus Christ. Would you just step out right now? Come on. I know there's got to be one in a crowd this size that has never said yes to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you're without hope unless you come to Him. Step out and come. Father in, he- Father in heaven, I ask right now that you would draw that person or persons to you. That that measure of faith you've given that person or persons, that measure of faith would rise up within them. Their eyes would be opened to the fact that you are waiting for them. Waiting for them to make a decision to follow you. they would have the strength and the courage to step out and say, I will follow Christ. I'm not going to sit in the background any longer. I want that hope. Just give that to me. Come on out. I know you're here. of the Lord today. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The yoke of bondage. So we're asking, Father, that you would speak to that person. You would draw them by your spirit today. You can fight. You can fight that feeling. You can fight that emotion. And say, I'm going to do it my way. 
you can do that, he will allow you to do that. But if you know that he's calling you today, today's the day. Just invite you to say yes to him and let him do the rest. Let him do the rest. The second invitation is for anyone here that you said, I'm hopeless, and Christ lives in you. I would invite you just to repent this morning, ask Him to forgive you, that you would have a renewed hope today. invitation is if God has called you to be a part of this, this church body, we ask you to come forward and be obedient to God's calling on your life to do that. We don't put that word out lightly to become a member here, to join or be a part of us. It, it comes with a price that you're willing to serve, that you're willing to step in to what God's called you to do. And here's what we'll do. We will help equip you We'll pray for you that God would empower you to do the works of the kingdom, the greater works. We believe that what's going to draw people to Jesus Christ is not just words, but the demonstration of the power of God. And we train people, we equip people to lay their hands on the sick, to walk in the giftings that God has for them. So if this is where God has called you to plant, don't come forward unless you're serious about saying, I want to serve. I want to be a part of something alive. So we're called We're called to a, a living hope and a life that honors God by the way we live our life. So that's the third invitation. The fourth invitation would be this this morning. And I know it's almost 12 o'clock, but hey, who cares? Because this happens all the time in this body. There are people here that have been saved. You've, you've accepted Christ. You've never been water baptized. And you put that off for whatever reason. And God says, listen, that's an obedience thing. If you can't, just please do the first thing I ask you to do after you accept me is to be water baptized. And I invite you to come forward and tell one of these people, yes, I need to be water baptized. I was sprinkled as a baby and I didn't know a thing going on. But I've given my life to Christ since then. I want to follow him in a believer's baptism. I would invite you to come, step out and come and make that public. And then next week we'll baptize you. I know Jennifer's coming. Jennifer wants to be baptized. I've already spoken to her. Anybody else? You know that you've never done that. and God would, God would speak to you today to do that. Somebody came for prayer this morning for healing. Can, can I get a testimony that God healed you? Does somebody share something? I'd like to hear. Amen. Praise God. Pain lifted.
See, we actually pray. We actually believe that God's going to do something when we pray. And uh, if it happens right now, it's great. If it happens tomorrow, let us know. You know, a miracle happens instantaneously, but sometimes healing takes time. But we, we partner with, uh, with the Word of God, and we pray for the sick. We pray for people to be delivered from bondage. We have classes. Guys, we have so many equipping classes. Marriage on the Rock is going to be starting up soon. Um, we have Experiencing the Spirit, which will be the last time. It won't be tomorrow night because of the holiday, but the week after will be the last of this 12-week session. So we'll be starting Experiencing the Spirit again. We have a Freedom from Addictions class with Brother Basil. Uh, Blenda has a class, and equipping class on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Uh, we have just a lot of things going on here, but we want you to know God's called us to be an equipping center, and we want to equip you to do what Christ called us to do. Now, while they're doing, if there's any paperwork to take place, we're going to announce that we're going to uh, announce these. But f- before we call these people up, uh, we want you to see a video real quickly, because I want you to invite. Listen, if you have lost friends or enemies, lost coworkers. Uh, next Saturday night at 6 o'clock and Sunday morning at 10, Don Babin will be with us. Don is the gift of evangelism. He could, he could preach, honestly, he could preach on fly fishing and people would get saved. Uh, he just has that gift. Uh, he comes from a very difficult background. He, sometimes he shares his testimony. comes from a very difficult background of drugs and, and rebellion. Gave his life to Christ when he was young, uh, in the 20s. But now is serving the Lord in Kenya into the Maasai tribe. And he's been here several times. He and his wife, Michelle, served there. And we're organizing a trip for next year to go to Kenya. So uh, we're going to give you a time for that meeting on Sunday afternoon. But uh, I want to show a short video just to encourage you to be here and bring, bring friends with you next Saturday night and Sunday morning. Okay, can we show that? I'm Don Babin, this is my wife, Michelle Babin, and we've been in the ministry for over 30 years. God's called us to work with the Maasai tribe of East Africa, and they have the largest land mass of any of the 42 tribes in Kenya. We've traveled all over the Maasai territory sharing the gospel. And we're not, we're not talking about uh, in the city. We don't minister in the city like Nairobi, or in Iraq. We minister in very remote places, very remote, deep in the bush. Our ministry has been more hands-on out in remote places where they rarely see a missionary go. And it's our joy to even be able to build churches out in these remote areas. We can't even tell you, even on film, the things that we've experienced. We see things that you've never seen in the United States. Many People are starving to death. Families are dying from starvation. We've got to feed them. They're starving. How do you go preach the gospel to them and say, be warm and fed, go in peace? You know, James talked about that. So we want to go and meet a need. Then they know we care and then share the gospel with them. 
we've also been able to do medical clinics and we reach lots of people that way before they receive the medical help. Don gives a brief invitation and explains the plan of salvation and we see many, many souls saved at these medical clinics. All of the professions of faith are first-time professions of faith. And we go to areas that they have never heard the name Jesus. I know you can't imagine that in the United States. They don't have churches anywhere, no schools anywhere. They've never heard the name Jesus. So when we're talking about seeing thousands of people saved, we're talking about people that have never heard the gospel. We're talking about most of those people that have prayed to receive Christ for the very first time in their life. So today we're assisting with the medical clinic and some of these people have never seen a doctor. This is so important because the people are so sick here uh, that without medicine many of them would die. And you know, I, I always think when I'm here, what if this was my family? What if this was my boys that had a need and an American showed up? Uh, listen, I'd be desperate for medical help too. And I just, it's hard to be here and to see this and not do something. It's really good to look at their face and know that we're doing something that's going to help them to live. I'm raising up 12 leaders. I want a disciple uh, that really is hungry for God, and we're going to spread it out throughout the Maasai territory. And that way I'll work with those 12 leaders, and those 12 leaders will get 12 leaders, and we can multiply that to reach the entire Maasai tribe. It's, it's a wonderful thing. We're just so thankful that God sent us here. We really are. We've got a big work ahead of us, but we're excited. Amen. We love it here. challenge you. Last year at this time when he came, we gave him the largest offering that he's ever received. We, we sent them back with like $24,000. They built churches. They bought vehicles. Uh, but I'm telling you, when you come, you're, you're getting ready for an explosion because God just moves through this man in a mighty way. So I want you to be prayed up and come with an offering next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, that we can continue to see that work go forward. And I think it's going to be an exciting journey for many of you that have said, I've never been on a mission trip, but I would, that, that God spoke to me, even through that video, to go to Africa, to Kenya. Uh, so we just I encourage you to come next Saturday and bring a friend with you. Okay, we have some people that have become, I want to become a part of this fellowship. Gina Weatherby, come stand with me. I've known Gina for quite a long time. She's a sweetie. And we love the fact that you want to plant here, be a part of our fellowship. Thank you. Uh, she believes in the greater works. Amen. Well, amen. amen. Uh, Jennifer Lawler, come forward, Jennifer. Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer really needs your prayers. Uh, her her brother just passed away this week on some really difficult circumstances, and she's been really struggling with that. She needs some people that will gather around her and pray for her and just lift her up in prayer and her family this, this coming week. Um, so we just thank you know, Jennifer's coming to be a part of this body and to request water baptism. So that next Sunday we're going to 
get you in the water, right? Okay. Y'all, y'all rejoice in Jennifer being a part of this fellowship. <laughs> Lana and Robert Ward, come on up. Lana and Robert have been part of, they've been attending here for a while and uh, have been and experiencing the spirit class. And they, uh, they know Jesus as the Lord and Savior as the rest of these do. And they've come to say, I want to plant right here at Freedom Fellowship. So here's the deal. Please don't leave without coming by and just in welcoming, welcoming them this morning. And just, and if, just speaking a word of encouragement. Don't, don't keep the line stopped. I think that's why people quit coming forward because some of y'all like to prophesy over them for like 10 minutes. And if you've got a, word of prof, a prophetic word for them, just hang back and share it with them later. Okay, but we, don't y'all rejoice in what God's doing here. And whoever you are that did not come forward to receive Christ this morning, uh, we're here right now. I mean, if you want to come after we dismiss, uh, we'll, we would love to pray with you and share the gospel with you. Okay, well, let's stand. Jesse, it's good to have you back, brother. It's good to have you back. Good to have David and Tiffany back, too. Tiffany's been in Arizona for a while. Can y'all wave? I know you're right. David serves our military here, and Tiffany's been in, in Arizona for quite a while. So we're glad to have them with the kiddos back. Okay, uh, David Acock, would you dismiss us in prayer this morning? I got a mic right here, bud. Got that mic ready? Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning. We do just humbly thank you, Father, for how you've blessed us and how you've blessed this congregation, Father. Um, we, we just ask that you just continue to pour out your, your love and mercy upon us, Father. Um, be with us throughout this week. Uh, when, we, when we go out, Father, we, we go out with you and um, just pray that your light shines on each one of us and through each one of us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Every time you look at me, I'm swinging like an autumn leaf, bound to hear Bob's song in time. Where would I be without someone to save me? Someone who Just a beautiful mess. Oh, 
There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No There's a day that's drawing near when this darkness breaks. 